Welcome to PlayStation Daily. I'm John Blanco. Today, I'm talking about the Grounded 2 documentary, The Making of the Last of Us Part 2. Before we get to that, big rumor! I need a siren sound. I need a... I really need sound effects in this show. Big rumors the last couple days have poured in, ironically, over the weekend, which is a weird time, but, yeah, but work with me here. Uh, this goes back to a story from, I believe, my January 10th episode. And this is more and more heavy chatter about Xbox games that have been exclusive to their platform being ported to uh, both the PlayStation and Nintendo Switch. Uh, most of the talk about PlayStation, because um, a lot of Xbox's games can't really run on a Nintendo Switch. We talked about this in the past. Uh, I did an episode about is Starfield coming to PlayStation? I was just minding my own business this weekend, just relaxing, having a good time, and I'm seeing stuff about, wow, is Starfield coming to PlayStation? As if we didn't hear this a month ago. And then Indiana Jones, is the new game going to be coming to PlayStation? And then, you know, we've had Hi-Fi Rush. Now I'm hearing Gears, and I mean everything. I'm seeing entire conversations about which games would you be the most excited to have come to PlayStation? And I've participated in them a little bit. But uh, yeah, and so I was really interested today to see what would happen. And sure enough, Phil Spencer responded. And basically, uh, I guess I'll paraphrase, but, you know, there's been a lot of chatter about all this stuff. And, you know, he's like, hey, um, we're going to talk about this next week, <laughs> which is... <laughs> Uh, he said, we've been planning a business update event for next week. You know, we've been totally doing that, where we look forward to sharing more details with you about our vision for the future of Xbox. Stay tuned. Now, I'm not going to say that this all but confirms the rumors. Certainly doesn't. But um, they could have just said, ha, 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 ha. No, guys, that's ridiculous. So there is something here. We don't know what it is yet. So I'm not going to talk about it. I was tempted to do a whole show, but... Um, I'm going to talk a about it a little bit more on Friday, especially if we hear more rumoring going on. Um, but otherwise, we'll do a show probably on this uh, after Xbox does their announcements, because whatever they say is going to have a huge bearing on PlayStation and the games that we play on the PlayStation. So stay tuned. Xbox might be becoming a strictly game company. I wanted to talk today about the Grounded 2 documentary, which I finally got to see over this weekend. This is a, a second part. I, I initially was confused because of the Grounded 2. Oh, did they talk about it on Grounded 1? But the Grounded documentary was about The Last of Us. So this is a documentary of footage that they had been taking for apparently four years, from 2016 to 2020. Um, but because the end of the development process ended in COVID, they never got around to putting the documentary together. They talk about that a very little bit right at the end of the, at the, end of the documentary. And it's fascinating. So it's a two-hour movie, documentary, video, whatever. It's on YouTube. It's weird. I don't know how to describe things on there. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it's easy enough to find. Just search for Grounded 2 with the Roman numerals. And, um, yeah, this was fascinating. Um, uh, This is going to be 
all spoiler. I'm not going to hold back from anything. I mean, this is all about the game. If you haven't played the game, I would just stop here and not listen to any of this. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, you can't really talk about the making of the game without really talking about the game. So, uh, forget it. There won't be, uh, I won't be holding back here. Uh, I, I just have to say as a software developer, I am a professional iOS developer. I make software for iPhones. Um, I do it, um, as, as a consultant still sometimes I do it as my full-time job. I've been doing it for as long as my second son has been born because I was studying iOS literally in the hospital when he was born. Um, I look at the uh, development team and uh, the, the documentary really goes into just the, the process, the workers being interviewed, talking about the process, the writing process, the development process, design, and all the ideas they went through. And I'm just so jealous. I wish I could work on a team, you know, with somebody like Neil Druckmann, who's, who's so well-known and building a product that so many people want to see the result of. I've never been able to do that. I honestly can't think of one time in my career where I was building anything that people were waiting on. The, um, the coolest app I think I ever worked on was Pokemon Pass, which was a Pokemon app designed for in-store. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, in-store, you know, endorsements. Um, you would go and find QR codes and scan them in and get, you know, uh, codes for Nintendo uh, Nintendo 3DS games, Nintendo, I think Nintendo Switch as well. I think it was Nintendo 3DS mostly at the time. And um, yeah, but nobody was waiting for that either, right? You're building The Last of Us Part Two. Everyone is, is hungry for it. Ah, just, it would be so cool. Um, and I really respect Neil. I'll talk a little bit later, but... Um, they talked about some things, and uh, the first thing that jumped out at me was um, the, the story. The trajectory of the story had really changed. Uh, in, originally, uh, according to the story that Neil had put together, um, Joel's death is right at the beginning of the game, as far as I can tell, almost like the very beginning scene. And Ellie walks in to find him dead. Um, she doesn't know anything about, you know, like she's not there. And Dina was with her at the time. So I'm, I'm guessing Dina and Ellie stumble upon a, a murdered Joel and maybe they have to figure out who did it. And it's Abby and, and we go from there. So that's a big difference and change. What I love about part two is in the beginning, I mean, part it, there's really three acts to the game, right? The beginning is we're getting to know who Ellie is, um, you know, as a, what is she now, 17-year-old? We're getting to know who she is. We're getting to know where she is in her life. She has relationships with Dina and her new friends and the new people in her world, but also catching up with Tommy and Joel and then her relationship with Joel, which has been a little bit tattered ever since, you know, A, he lied to her and she kind of knew it. And then we find out later that B, she f she figures out through a recording um, when she went to the hospital that they that th this is what happened, that 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 Joel killed um, the surgeon. Um, so we get that information and then we, we have, you know, Ellie going on some runs and this is obviously all a big tutorial section. And then eventually um, we kind of ping pong back and forth to where um, Joel <laughs> saves Abby, apparently, you know, accidentally. And then it leads to like his death. And then Ellie's going to, f to find Joel. And then that's the end of like act one. He dies 
And then we have the revenge act with Ellie going all the way to killing Abby's friends. And then we have right before it seems like Abby's going to kill Ellie. Um, Ellie. So we know all that. I like that we have that first beginning section where we, we feel like there could be some normalcy here. Um, we're not going to get it, but we feel like there's normalcy here. And I'd be curious to know how early on um, Joel was supposed to be found dead. Um, but I think I think it, this new, this change really um, shows us like how Ellie can be, you know, have that revenge factor. Uh, they were talking to and I forget her name. I apologize. Um, the lead writer that was hired, Neil said he, he hired a lead writer so he could just have a different viewpoint. And she really helped a lot. And originally, Ellie was supposed to kill Abby at the end. And she seemed shocked by this. Like, really? That's what you're going to do? Um, so so you can pretty much credit her for um, having Ellie um, um, not kill Abby. It also opens things up for what a part three would be. But Troy Baker said Joel should die at, in the first game. He wanted Joel to die because he knew that Joel had committed some horrible transgressions and an ending... It's an interesting it's an interesting fact. If Joel was killed at the end of the first game, I don't know if you would have had sort of that visceral uh, reaction to Joel being killed in the second game. I was thinking about it. Marlene dies in the first game and they bring this up during the documentary. But it's like, yeah, Marlene is like a almost like a mother figure to, to Ellie in the beginning. And we see her a lot in the beginning. And all of this happens because Ellie and Marlene's um Marlene's work to get Ellie to the Fireflies. And then Joel just like kills her so he can escape with her. And no one really said anything about how horrible it was Marlene had been had been killed. I had seen somebody on threads say if Abby was a man, would people be as angry if, you know, a man killed a man? Is it is it because it was Abby and her physical appearance? Um, I find that interesting. Uh, so much to talk about that. I'll, I'll try not to. But it, it is part of the 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 core story of the making and release of this game. They showed uh, when um, The Last of Us 2 was first, I'll say, teased. Um, I think people knew that it was going to be coming probably. but And this was at PSX. This is in 2016. This is not a, uh, a show that I'm familiar with. I'm not sure if it still happens or what. I actually probably should know, um, but I don't. And... Neil Druckmann said the reaction was was so amazing, and he has spent the rest of his career trying to get that reaction again. Um, probably something you're only going to get from a continuation of an IP. And I was able to watch it. Uh, I I'll, I will put this show in the notes. Uh, PSX, I'll mark it. But I was able to watch it, and you can hear the reaction. And yeah, people do go pretty crazy because it's the first time we're really seeing something, and you don't really know that it's The Last of Us Part Two in the beginning until you see. Uh, well, if you haven't seen it, I'll let you see it. But there's something very that clues you in exactly what it is. Um, so it's very cool. I love watching reaction videos, especially like down the road when you know what's to come. Um, there are um, plenty of times in this documentary where they talk about they really put some focus on demoing and trailers. And we kind of know as gamers that they do put a lot of work into it but wow it, you still sort of think that these trailers are um footage that some some outside person takes and pieces together into a trailer and maybe that does happen but in this case it is planned by the whole team and they have somebody who's sort of running it 
at, but they really are thinking about it because if you really, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take much time to think that if you see a trailer that is really enticing, that could lead to millions in sales. That's how important these are. So really, you want to think about every second of the trailer. It's almost more important than the game because if you get people to buy the game and they don't like it, you've already sold the game. But the trailer, they have not purchased anything yet. So getting those sales is really important. And I'm not sure all games go through it, but they put a lot of work and thought into the trailer. In fact, there is a part where they're having meetings because they want to make this trailer. And at the same time, they are trying to finish Uncharted Lost Legacy. It's the same company. And there was a lot of overlap of the team and, and pulling resources back and forth. And I've seen this. I've seen this before as a developer. And if you watch the scene, you can see it on their faces when they're telling them about, yeah, we got to finish Lost Legacy and then we got to do this trailer and we need it done pretty quickly. When you are an employee, you know when you are being railroaded. You know when you are going to be doing a lot of work and it's going to be exhausting. But you are not always, very few employees are willing to express it right then and there because you know you don't want to get fired and you also you look around and not everyone's talking and you want you don't want to feel like the the wimp right yeah we can do this but it's it's real life man we people have families and friends and relationships and these things can put strains on them we should not be accepting that sort of thing and you can see that even as neil is asking for this work he's almost quiet like he knows he's asking for something that's probably unfair now luckily they did change their mind um, they did end up having some crunch later on in the project, which they, they address at the end of the documentary, but they did change their mind a little bit. Um, but they ended up doing is, and this is really interesting, putting together a, a promo, uh, a demo, they kept calling it a demo. So I'll call it a demo. I'm not sure it was a demo though, putting together a demo and then they were going to burn it to disc and then lock the disc away for many months. And then that was what they were going to show at E3, which is interesting. And I like that. Because you're saying we're allocating this time to build this demo, but we're not going to show it yet, but we are not going to change it. This is what we are going to put forward at E3. It goes to show you when you see a trailer, it doesn't mean that is the progress of the game at that moment. That is the progress of the game at the point they put together the demo, which you probably don't know when it is. Uh, just uh, fascinating, um, fascinating thing. Uh, they did change it, by the way. <laughs> Um, crunch is crunch has been a, an important thing in the industry trying to avoid crunch crunch never works I can tell you right now um, you can put in like a, some late hours from time to time to get something done or whatever but if you are doing it every night you just become less productive of, as an employee and that's why we have to get rid of crunch it doesn't it doesn't help anybody it doesn't make anything go faster and it strains relationships and makes employees bitter there is nothing good that comes from it you might say, oh, we got the team to work for like nine hours, 10 hours, 11 hours a day. Uh, no, that's not their efficiency. And um, I have stories from companies. I, I still remember when I worked at a company called Fiserv and they brought the whole team in a room and they just reamed us um, for not being done with the project. I don't remember the, the exact details uh, and reamed us and we were just sitting in there and it was this most humiliating thing and basically said, you know, you guys are going to be working evenings until this is done. And we did. I mean, I, I was working till seven, eight o'clock at night. And 
I brought my GameCube in to work. We hooked it up to the projector, and we would play, uh, me and a friend that I worked with, we, <laughs> we would play um, a Soul Calibur, the one on GameCube, the one with Link in it. <laughs> so tell me how productive we were being in the evenings. Because we couldn't work. We couldn't. You can't work that many hours in a row. Um, crunch is bad. Uh, something else I thought was really cool. Again, more demos. But they did a gameplay demo in uh, 2017. Three years. Three years before the game would release. And this is the scene that's still in the game. Where they um, the, the scars are going to hang Abby. And that's when you see Yara appear for the first time. And then Lev comes in to save the day. And then Yara tells Lev to cut Abby down. Um, it's a great scene. And the reason why, for me anyway, is I always forget about Abby in that moment. You know, she's being hung. They hang her up there, but then they give her a bucket because they're going to, like, you know, say a few things to her. That's when uh, Yara comes in. And then just in the in the action and the moments that are happening, um, there's there's moments where they're they're smashing Yara's elbow in, and then there's that moment where um, they look in the other direction, and then they turn back to Yara, and she had grabbed one of their like sickles and just plows him in the neck. And I forget that Abby's there every time. And then uh, the lady, uh, I don't know who she is. Um, that's she's about to shoot Yara, uh, and I and I mean. Abby just grabs her by the neck <laughs> with her legs. And it is just awesome. Um, that scene is from that 2017 trailer. And you would not think anything is different there. Now, um, it is a little bit different because I recall Lev takes a little bit more time. He's a little bit more hesitant before he actually cuts Abby down. But I mean, that scene is really 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 close to what the final result is um uh, it's that's kind of amazing i put that scene in the uh, the show notes as well because I, I i want you to see that from 2017 that three years before the game would release that's crazy to me um they talked a lot about focus testing uh game testing so this is basically when you know you don't just build a game amongst your team and then you put it out there there are studios that do that especially indie studios you have got to have people playing your game while it is in progress early, all through the middle, even while you're tweaking, all the way to the end. But early, too, because you need feedback. And the reason why we have bad games today is because either companies don't do that. And it could be for resources. I mean, it's not like they didn't want to, but they don't do that. Or the only people that they have testing their games are people that are like yes people friends that go oh this is great this is good fun this is a big reason why i always like to give honest feedback about a game i i don't want to be just just be positive right i want to be honest with you and you need honest people and that's why companies will hire strangers don't have your mom test your game you know what i mean she's not going to say anything bad you need honest feedback unadulterated honest feedback and uh, they showed that. And in fact, they had um, uh, they were testing for accessibility as well. They had a, 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 a person that was blind playing the game. Um, they had so many different sorts of people with uh, more physical uh, uh, like um, handling issues, uh, fine motor skills, coarse motor skills, that sort of thing. Um, so they were really working to uh, make their game more accessible as well. And of course, the usual thing, seeing where people get confused, <clears throat> make puzzles a little more interesting, make the environment lead you to the next thing, 
Um, one day I'll talk about why there's coins and collectibles in games. It's to signal to you where you haven't been. That's honestly what it's there for. Um, but focus testing is huge. There was a whole section on dogs. I had to call my wife down for it. She wasn't watching with me. Um, the dogs, they were showing them in motion capture outfits. It was freaking adorable. Uh, they showed Alice and it was um, super fantastic. It was great. But they also got into the fact that the dogs are in the game and that they're they're pretty aggressive and blah, blah, blah. And the killing of the dogs, because people just assumed, oh, the dog doesn't really die. But Ellie, I mean, you can kill many dogs in the game. They did say that there's only the only dog you have to kill is Alice in that very pivotal scene right before um, um, pretty close to where we, we do the flip. And um, Ellie kills Alice very brutally. And then the way she throws Alice off her and and like she kind of like Alice hits the table like just a piece of meat like nothing and then she I think she says stupid dog or something like that that is a pivotal moment because when we do the flip one of the first things we see is Abby petting Alice and this is going to take this is like a few days before the flip and it shows you like you know Abby is an animal lover and Ellie has become like you know she's hateful she's become hateful of everything in her life um, but what a great segment. I love the motion caption dogs and the, and the way they trained it. It was uh, fantastic. And then they get into the release date. They had announced the original release date of February 21st, 2020, which, I mean, you know, if you're at least five years old, um, you understand. <laughs> that was right before COVID. And in fact, they were they were much more clued into COVID because the documentarians were out of the offices by December of 2019, which we knew about COVID but a lot of offices just didn't pay attention, at least where I am, didn't pay attention to it until like March 2020. And so the docu the documentary does not show any of the ending and the releasing of the game because they just weren't available. But just think about the fact that this game that takes place during, it's kind of like post-pandemic, that takes place during this time uh, is happening during a real life, you know, in our lifetimes, only one time, uh, a pandemic. And so there ends up being a four-month delay. The game does not get released till June 19th. Now, the game wasn't done. It was supposed to be done. The game isn't done because these employees have been working in the office. Naughty Dog did not allow remote work. And they had to quickly transition to remote work very quickly. Um, obviously, in a motion capture game, that can be very tricky. You're not just doing code. You're doing lots of other things, a lot of collaboration among design in that four-month time span, they got hacked. Uh, they said that their server, which stored all their videos and test footage and whatever from all the focus the focus groups and everything, um, had a back door that somebody knew how to get into. Uh, obviously, I didn't get into details, but that happens. And this person stole footage and was leaking it and leaking it and leaking it to the point where they had to get the grim news that they had leaked Joel's death. I am so glad I never saw any of this leak stuff. At the time, I had heard about it, and I would have some conversations with people about, yeah, I, the game sucks, and it's like the game didn't come out yet, and it's like, well, I read the script, and it sucks, and it's like, okay, you seem like a winner. Um, but man, like, just to see these people, the way they reacted to it, oh, man, it just it breaks your heart. They worked so many years on this, and they were ready to release and they come to find out it was like a 20-year-old who was a big fan of Naughty Dog 
And he said that he was leaking it because he was trying to pressure Naughty Dog into releasing the game. My goodness. I cannot stand these people, honestly. No empathy. That's what it tells you about people like that. They are not thinking about what's going through other people's minds. They're only thinking about themselves. I kind of find it BS. I think, you know, they just wanted some online clout. I mean, no- nothing was going to stop them. If you're holding on to footage of Joel's death, you're not going to you're not going to submit it, you know? Like it it gets to you and forget it. But I thought it was really interesting that Neil said they let it go. Um, because he basically was inspired by his own game, which is not having this like circle of revenge. Like he could have like had the kid put in jail and then have that kid angry and this and that. And um, I, I they didn't say what happened with uh, the kid, but not a kid. He was a he's a, a an adult, but a twenty year old. But uh, yeah, I, that what what they did to this game and to the online dialogue about this game. Uh, was so toxic because so much of the online dialogue of this game is people finding out that Joel is killed, uh, what Abby looks like, and have none of them having any context as to why this all is. Just this, um, this is what I know happens. You know, these people, they don't, they don't read the whole script. You know, like you ever have friends that say they read the bill that's in Congress? No, nobody reads the bill. Like even the... The Congress people can't read the bill. They have teams of people to read the bill because it's extremely dry and confusing. Uh, nobody read the entire thing. Give me a break. They just know, oh, Joel dies. I'm mad. Um, it really sucks that uh, that is now part of the story of this game. In the end, Neil Druckmann, he is a tough guy. He comes across as a tough guy, and you see his uh, interactions with his team. Um, he is he is pushing them. He is hard on them. Uh, he... He never he never crosses the line, though, and I really respect him. If you are going to be a leader, if you're going to be a team leader, if you go too easy, if you just say, OK, you know, that's fine enough. That's fine enough. He's always pushing for more out of his team. And The Last of Us Part Two is so incredible. Again, I want to remind you, this game was on PS4, <laughs> a console now. That people say, hey, I don't want the Nintendo Switch to only be as powerful as a PS4, right? I mean, it, it looks incredible. But uh, he is firm, but he is he is fair. He is uh, he he does seem like a great leader. You have to be tough. You have to be an asshole at times. But he's never he never crosses the line. He's never disrespectful. He's just trying to push as much as he can. Um, but even then, he would pull back when he needed to. Um, I, you really got to respect the guy and it's no wonder that he gets so much out of his teams that the games he's put out, um, some of them, they're just still peerless, right? The Un- uncharted four, go play uncharted four, go play last of us, last of us two. Just incredible. They're still peerless. peerless. There's, there's nothing like the last of us part two out there for sure. There's nothing like it. Um, but this is a game that still sparks debate four years later, uh, despite, uh, you know, my disagreements with people who are very critical because they think they disrespected Joel or whatever. A lot of the criticism is really bigoted in nature. That's all it really it comes from. Um, but what else do you want from any medium, right? Film, music, video games, right? You want games that people still talk about years later, uh, still divisive. Years later, that means you did a great job, right? As much as people were angry and death threats and and racism and bigotry and, oh my God, that stuff has to stop. 
The game was game of the year basically everywhere. It's one of the most decorated games. It and Elden Ring are the two most decorated games in terms of game of the year awards in history. And that tells you something about when you actually play through the game. Um, what a what a what a victory it is. And, you know, the game focuses on topics of revenge and losing who we are and what is our humanity and, and you know, the last of us. Right. Consequences of our violence, transgenderism, stopping a cycle of hate. And um, it's still relevant today as much as it was in 2020, probably more so. Um, and then again, you know what? When a character dies, you know, if, if you don't make a game in a series, that character is effectively dead. Right. Who's the difference? It's fictional. And look, Joel, Joel is alive in no return. Joel's back. Wow. Um, great documentary, though. Uh, always love this stuff, especially when it comes to software development, even though the focus is on the designers, because who cares about the software developers? Um, but it was a really uh, fascinating two hour look into the creation of the game and uh, the culmination to some of the most uh, memorable scenes in, in video game history and, and where they came from and how those stories were changed to get there. Job well done, Naughty Dog. Bravo. PlayStation Daily is your daily podcast for everything Sony PlayStation. Email me topic ideas or feedback for the show at PlayStationDailyPod at gmail.com. Tell me why you don't like this game. I'll delete it. We're on threads at PS Daily Pod. I'm kidding. And now on Facebook at Facebook.com slash PS Daily Pod. No, I really am kidding. Hope you've enjoyed today's pod. We'll be back tomorrow. But until next time. PlayStation. I'm really, no, I am kidding.